Happy New Year to all my listeners out there. It's the first episode of 2021 of Your Sports Fix with the Sports Pulse. Devin Ashby here in the building. Hoping everybody is having a good start to 2021 because I certainly am. And it's a lot to unpack in this last and what was the past final weekend of 2020. The biggest news this week, obviously, was that the Washington football team, after just two seasons, has decided to decided this week to move on and end their relationship with Dwayne Haskins, releasing him after making him the their first round selection with the 15th pick in the 2019 draft. And honestly, the writing was on the wall before, like he did not help himself at all. You know, obviously from the first game of the season, I mean, the pressure was on him from the opening game and you know, when he got benched, you kind of figured it would eventually happen. Like, I just wasn't sure the messaging was mixed early in the year on him. Like, did they believe in him? Did they not? Whatever. Then, you know, as things went on and they started winning games and then he would, you would hear little rumblings about him. But then, you know, he had two opportunities to prove that he can indeed be the future of this team and just didn't produce like he against Seattle he played pretty good but not good enough obviously and then you have the incident that was caught on video after the game of him and his girlfriend and some other people partying maskless after a loss and in the midst of a global pandemic violating NFL protocols on top of all of that like that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. And then it's not even like he had yet another chance to redeem himself. He was given chance after chance to redeem himself. Against Carolina, he absolutely, arguably had one of his worst games as an NFL pro. And that's saying something, considering the last two years were just less than desirable. I mean, he's had some great performances like his game against the Giants a couple years ago granted he ended up getting hurt but he he had a really good game that day but overall I mean he just never seemed like he could grasp the NFL game I don't know what his future holds because he's only 23 years old so I mean I don't know if I can definitively say his career is over but it's over with the Washington football team and yet another quarterback in the Daniel Snyder era that has failed to live up to lofty expectations. And granted, you know, the organization failed him just as much, you know, obviously he was a Dan Snyder handpick. Like, there are more than one reports I've seen this week and in the years prior where it's pretty evident that the old regime and Jay Gruden and the scouting department there didn't want him. And obviously, this new coaching staff had no ties to him. And, you know, so, I mean, there's been 
like this seemed like a Snyder handpick. And then when he got here, I remember that people, Jay Gruden didn't want to play him, like didn't play him and everybody would kill him for it. Like, oh my goodness, why is he not getting starting reps? Why is he? And Jay Gruden kept kind of sort of trying, like, I hate Jay Gruden. I hate everything about him as a coach. And I just feel like his time was uh, just a big disappointment as well. But one of the few things he did get right was that he tried to warn everyone that Dwayne Haskins was not ready to be a starter in the NFL. He wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. People refused to listen. And then when he did finally get in the game, then everybody killed Jay. Like, why would you put him in and feed him to the wolves like that? Like, it was it was the funniest thing. And he he tried to tell everybody that this dude wasn't ready back then. And, you know, here we are, fast forward two years later. And, I mean, yeah, like, and I, I tried rooting for Dwayne. Like, you know, I, I really wanted to root for him. I'm still rooting for him, hoping that he finally... I hope that he learns from this and that he does get another opportunity and gets better with that opportunity because he wasn't a bad person. You know, he was a great teammate for the most part. I mean, aside from a few slip ups, it seemed like he was a good teammate. I mean, granted, it seemed like people also got tired of him as well, but he he wasn't. It just seemed like he wanted to win and it just I don't know. You know, I just hope he gets another chance to prove himself because is it you, you just you don't I mean he's pro, he has talent like it's not that he he has all the attributes to be an NFL quarterback. He just needs to get somewhere and learn. Like he's only 23 years old. The dude has so much life ahead of him. If this really is it was his final snap in the NFL, it's an unfortunate waste of a talented product of what it could have been, you know? Like, that's what it is. But elsewhere, because of his atrocious performance against the Carolina Panthers, and not just his, I mean, all facets of that game was terrible. The defense couldn't stop anybody until, like, it was too late. And the special teams lobbed up seven points with Steven Sims fumbling the football. So it wasn't all on Dwayne, but... Obviously, being the quarterback, he's going to take a bun of it. And obviously, I mean, and he deservedly so. I mean, if you watch the game, I mean, a lot of that was on him. But he wasn't the only reason they lost, by far. But that being said, because of that atrocious showing, Washington now finds themselves in a win-and-in situation, whereas they could have gone into this week against Philly with the division wrapped up and could have possibly even rested starters. But instead, they're in a must-win situation against a team that is in position to play spoiler since they themselves have been eliminated. And the good news is that they do get Alex Smith back. Antonio Gibson looked really good in his return against Carolina, and he's going to be expected to play this week. And Terry McLaurin, who missed the Carolina game as well, is also expected to be back. So a big boost offensively for them. But the bad news is that, again, this is a divisional game against a divisional opponent who they beat in the first week of the season and probably is looking for their revenge. And they're going up against a rookie in Jalen Hurts who is playing very well in his first couple of games as a starter. And 
this could be a very tricky game, even with all of Philadelphia's injuries. This could be a very tricky game, and you just hope that Washington shows up because if they win, they're in, like point blank period. It doesn't matter what happens around the league. If they win, they're in. And the game has been flexed to Sunday night football. So they're getting a chance to play in primetime, which historically has not been good for them. Like historically, especially on Monday nights, but historically Washington hasn't played well in these primetime games, at least in the last couple of years. But granted, this is a different team, different regime, a lot of different pieces than in years past. This They've won, they've had a couple of division wins in the last decade in terms of, you know, remember RG3 in 2012 on Sunday night. We remember against the Eagles on 20, I want to say 2016 with Kirk Cousins in a similar situation to this. Like, they've had some opportunities in previous years and they haven't always won them because there was also a game against the Giants that they should have won, but they ended up losing that to lose. But this is a chance to really build some momentum for Ron Rivera and his new coaching staff in their first year in charge. If they could get to the playoffs in the first year after literally nobody, I mean, we've said on this podcast many a times, they'd be lucky to win seven games this year. And they're right on the doorstep of winning seven games. But we said that not really expecting them to be in position to get to the playoffs, you know, but Rivera has a chance to really move mountains with a win today not just Rivera obviously the team as a whole has a chance to really build momentum heading into their second year together and there's a lot of uncertainty in the air about what this team is going to look like next year who's going to be quarterback who's going to be owner really (laughs) you know it's just a lot of uncertainty swirling around this organization but I mean I guess what else is new right but who's going to be GM they might get a new GM I mean we don't know any of the answers to that. All we know is they can control what's going on right now. And right now they have a chance to shock the world, in my opinion, because I don't think anybody coming into the season, like I said, expected them to be in position to get to the playoffs. That's just not something I saw coming after that abomination of a season last year. You know, but here we are, right? So what are they going to do? You know, is this? Is, are they going to fold? Which wouldn't be terrible just because, you know, you'd still get a good draft pick. You still have a chance to build on a lot of success that you did have this season. But at the same time, getting to the playoffs would be a huge booster and confidence, especially for the young guys like McLaurin and Chase Young and Gibson and all these first and second year guys who've kind of been trying to find their identity in this league. So definitely have a huge opportunity in front of them and you just hope that they capitalize and the whole the whole nfl will be watching (laughs) you know because by the time they play everything will be decided like if dallas or new york wins that whoever wins that game if washington loses that play that team will be the winner of the nfc so you know the world will be the world the nfl world will be watching you know, so what are they going to do, you know? Now, it's, I guess to move on, college football, New Year's Six Bowls, you know? The playoff 
has been decided we do have a championship game set in stone. Alabama absolutely decimated and destroyed Notre Dame. And I need, I, I'm, I'm here to say, I need college football to free themselves from the shackles of Notre Dame. I'm tired of talking about Notre Dame. We've said this every year. They literally are the most overhyped program in the last, I don't know how many years. Like these guys got all the hype of all those teams in the 80s and 90s and haven't done nothing with it. Like yet another opportunity to prove that they belong on the big stage in the big game. And yet again, they fold like fresh laundry out of the dryer. Like it was despicable. I mean, and granted, Anybody who would have went up against Bama in that playoff probably would have suffered the same fate. Like, if you'd have put A&M in there, they would have got dusted. If you'd have put Cincinnati in there, they would have gotten dusted. If you would have put Georgia in there, they probably would have gotten dusted. But or Florida either. Well, Florida proved they can hang with them, but I don't think they would have done it a second time. Like that being said, Notre Dame has been in this position multiple times over the years especially in the tenure of Brian Kelly and have repeatedly been physically outmatched, not, not even and talent wise too, but like physically dominated to the point of attack, like, and it's despicable. Like it's, it's, it's ridiculous how badly they look out. And, and this is a week after getting dusted by Clemson. So, they didn't even deserve to be in the playoff, in my opinion, after losing the way they did to Clemson. But then they proved it by laying yet another egg against Alabama. It's like, bro, do you not have any type of pride? Like, Clemson just hung. Clemson just took you to the woodshed, and then you got a chance to be like, look, that was an anomaly. Let's prove ourselves against Alabama. And yet again, you get taken behind the woodshed and it just it's just ridiculous it i mean like no type of resistance whatsoever but on alabama side Devonte smith if he doesn't win the heisman they might as well come up up front and tell us that it's a quarterback's trophy because there is no reason Devonte smith should not be walking home with the heisman before he gets to before they play for a championship you know the heisman ceremony is monday at seven there is no reason that Devontae Smith shouldn't walk away with the trophy. The fact that he is the first wide receiver to win AP Player of the Year is proof of that. Like, Devontae Smith is the best football player in the United States of America, and he should walk away with the Heisman Trophy. And I feel like when you win AP Player of the Year, that's essentially wrapping the Heisman up. And the, so, that being said, like, if he does, if he, if anybody other than. Even his quarterback, Mac Jones, if he walks away with the Heisman, that would be ridiculous to me. Like, you know, it shouldn't just be dominated by quarterbacks. You know, this would be, if Devontae Smith doesn't win the Heisman, this would be the biggest robbery since Tyron Matthew didn't win it back in 2011. So I say all that to say he's the best player in America. Najee Harris is a beast as well. You know, like (laughs) he's been hurtling dudes his entire career. And he did it yet again against Notre Dame. Like, Notre Dame, I don't even know why they bothered to get off the bus. Like, <laughs> just every facet of the game, they just looked outmatched. And, like, it was like JV playing against varsity. It was ridiculous. You know, 
So Alabama and Alabama's got something to prove because it's been a couple of years now that they haven't won a championship. And you, people were beginning to wonder, is the dynasty done? Like, is Nick Saban lost his luster? Like, are people just not fearful of Alabama anymore? Now they have a real opportunity to shut everybody up. And rather than seeing round five against Clemson, we're going to see Alabama and Oklahoma State or uh, Ohio State, Alabama and Ohio State, because Ohio State pulled off one of the most dominant showings of the season for them because they had a short season. They lost a lot of op is a lot of stuff they've been through this year, losing players to COVID. At one point, they didn't have their head coach. They came into the game shorthanded. They had something like 17 dudes missing the game because of COVID. And they, you know, and there were already questions that about not just from Dabo Sweeney, but from a lot of people about do they belong here because they've only played six games and, you know, they shouldn't have been selected over like 11 game teams like A&M or somebody. So they were already all this talk about them. And on top of all that, they're coming into a game against Clemson in which they were on this exact stage a year ago and lost a heartbreaker. So with all that being said, Ohio State took all of that and basically told everybody, shut up. Because they walked in and stopped the mud hole in the Clemson. It was very back and forth early on. And that's when I kind of figured, yo, they could win this game. But the way in which they won it, I mean, Justin Fields got hammered. I mean, he was taking shots, but there was the big shot he took to his ribs by the linebacker Skowski for Clemson who for the second year in a row got ejected from a game for a targeting call. And when he took the hit, a lot of people did, you know, he comes back in and immediately throws that. This man threw six touchdown passes or maybe five or six, something like five or six touchdown passes. And, you know, there are a lot of questions about Justin Fields too, because, you know, Ohio State quarterbacks don't have the best track record transitioning to the NFL even though he's still considered one of the two best because it's him and Trevor Lawrence and they're probably going to be compared for the rest of their careers especially because they played each other twice and they figure to be the top one and two picks in the draft but Jacksonville may have to do some soul searching because Fields looked incredible he looked absolutely incredible in that game by, like I said, the best performance of the season for Ohio State. And they go in against Alabama as underdogs yet again, but they seem to embrace this underdog role. Now, that being said, this isn't the Ohio State teams of years past that are just loaded with freakish athletic talent all over the field. Like, they got a lot of really good guys, but that defense in particular just doesn't have the big names that it had like a year ago like a year ago you know you had chase young up there you had some other guys whatever this year it's a lot more beef up front a lot more younger guys especially with all the people missing you know and you just wonder like how are they gonna fare against an alabama offense that is by far and away one of the best offenses that this alabama team has ever had you know now defensively they're not great but they are still really good. Like, they're not the shutdown units that put the fear of God in people like in previous years. And there are a lot of things that you can exploit, but they're still really good. 
with that being said. So, you know, you wonder how Ohio State is going to hold up. And, you know, you, you just figure that. But with that being said, I said last week on this show that if Dabo Sweeney doesn't back up all of that mess he was talking, you know, ranking Ohio State 11th, you know, continuing to just up the ante talking about they don't deserve to be here, they don't whatever. He just kept talking, kept running his mouth, and I kept wondering, I was worried that he was cash writing a check that his team couldn't cash. And now I respectfully say to him, please shut the hell up. Please. I don't want to hear his mouth for the rest of the year. I don't want to hear his mouth for the rest of the decade. We probably will anyway. But I said last week that if he doesn't dismantle and dominate Ohio State the way that he's talking, that it was for nothing. It was all for nothing. And 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 here we are. I mean, Dabo finally gets a slice of humble, humble pie because he's – this isn't the first time – this year, this isn't the first time period, but this year in particular, he's gotten a little too big for his britches at, at times. Like, I mean, you know, you're airing out Florida State because they don't want to play your team in the midst of a pandemic and you make this a personal thing like with football. You know, you mentioned and he's said a lot of controversial things about players kneeling in the past. I mean, dude has I mean, there are a lot of people that don't like him. And up until now, he's been able to back all his mess up with 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 his play on the field. But like, I'm just I'm I'm and I'm a Clemson fan. Like, I don't really hate Dabo, but every now and then he'd be doing too much. And it's kind of cool to see him get humbled every once in a while. I mean, you saw it happen in the championship game last year. You saw it happen again this year. And it's something about when they go to New Orleans and they just don't seem to play well there because even a couple years ago, they went down to the Sugar Bowl with Kelly Bryant and got dusted by Alabama in New Orleans. Last year, the national championship game, they get dusted by LSU in New Orleans. This year, they're playing Ohio State in the, I think it was the Sugar Bowl again, in New Orleans, and they get dusted again. I don't know what it is about when Clemson goes down to New Orleans, but they just don't seem to get it done down there. I don't know why. I can't figure it out for the life of me. And on top of everything, in bowl games, the ACC went 0-6 in bowl games, which is by far the worst that that conference, the worst showing by that conference ever. And this is one of the marquee conferences. They went 0-6 in bowl games combined. Like, a lot of eggs laid around bowl games. But the point is, they shut Dabo's mouth on uh, New Year's Day. And a lot of people loved to see that. But that, you know, but he had it coming. You figured he had it coming, right? But, um, I guess this show, we could end it there. You know, it wasn't a whole lot of action in the world of sports this week. But there were a lot of big notes, a lot of high notes. And here we are, the first episode of the new year, 2021. This here is your Sports Fix with the Sports Pulse. I'm Devin Ashby. Happy New Year again to everybody out there. We will see you all next week.